Hello and welcome to the third Mr. Wilson Second Liners podcast. This series is titled Promised Land. The interview for this episode was recorded before lockdown somewhere in Calderdale. Today you'll hear from Fuzz. Our theme tune is Ptolemy by Aphex Twin, performed and recorded by Architects of Roslyn. And at the end of each episode, you can name check the tunes and the artist who created the soundtrack. This series includes some adult language, references to the misuse of drugs and strobe lighting, so may not be suitable for younger listeners. It was curated by Will Lenton and Sonia Murhead. had a fantastic night of raving and I was in uh, Paris as a student and one of the things that I really loved about Paris was that there was a kind of brilliant mix of like club culture and kind of rave culture. I think I should just start on the day. So I was kind of walking around um, on a Saturday, going to different record shops, and I saw the flyers were there, I saw the posters were there for a spiral tri-party happening that night. And I picked one up and I thought, oh, I'm probably not going to go by myself. And I felt a bit sad. But a little bit later, I randomly met some, about three uh, uh, British people who were kicking around in town. And um, they said, you know, what's going on? What's happening in town? We're just visiting. And I said, well, you know, there's all sorts of things. So I gave them a, a, a real overview. Um, and there's this happening as well. You, you probably won't want to go. You know, a lot of people don't like this type of thing. It's a bit hardcore, you know, it's probably in some warehouse somewhere. There's not even any official information. Look at the fire, it just says meet in this train station out in the middle of nowhere at 12 o'clock. That's all the information there is. So I can't imagine that you'd want to do that. But actually, they were like, well, that sounds quite interesting. It's like, oh, that sounds like a real adventure. And I'd never met these people before, but by the time we'd left, we'd agreed that we were going to meet up. It was a bit of a leap of faith. You end up travelling out on the last train out into the suburbs of Paris, and really, you don't know what's going to be there. You don't know if, if this is not happening, you don't know how you're going to get back. Uh, it's somewhere towards like the south, maybe like the southwest. And I had no idea where I was going. Um, and so you get off the train and like, actually there's a few people getting off. It's looking promising. Um, often they'd kind of lay on kind of buses to get you to where you wanted to go, but there was no bus. There was just one solitary guy 
all in black, just like looking a bit shifty. And he just went down that road, just follow everyone else. And he did, he followed this like little line of people, looking around, and like, where are we? We're in some kind of semi-industrial area, kind of following this little trail, trail of people. And you see a, a, a dimly lit entrance, and then just stairs going down, and people with head torches kind of beckoning people in. So he went down the stairs, and it just opened up into this huge basement. So kind of, was it a warehouse? Was it an old school? Who really knows? But it must have been the size of two football pitches. There were just enough nights to see what you're doing. And there was a big enough sound system so that you knew it was really happening. And so I'm there, kind of by myself, and really not sure what was going on. But pretty much within 15 minutes, these guys showed up. It's two of the three had actually got done it, and like I was pretty pleased to see them, as you, as you might expect. And we started to kind of go, "Well, oh, we're here. This is it. It's really happening." And there was a real sense of something special happening. It felt like this was quite unusual for, for Paris, for sure, uh, and certainly to have the kind of music that was being played felt quite um, alien, really, to, to everyone. So everyone had this kind of like excitement and sense of unknown. And so we're kind of trying to scope out what's going on. And obviously we're trying to work out how do we get high at this point? None of us have got any drugs. What's going on? We try and work out what's going on. Someone says, um, well, one thing's happening over there come and have a look at this. And we go over and look, and there's a guy there, again, all dressed in black, with a head torch. And we look down at what his head torch is pointing at. And he's got like a, literally a handful of paper acid. And he's got a pair of tweezers in another hand. And he's basically plucking out paper acid with tweezers. And people are just giving him 50 franc notes. Completely blatant, as in the most obvious place you could be, right by the door, and everyone's just forming a queue and just kind of buying um, tabs of acid from this guy. That was really what was what was available, and certainly that was the, the obvious thing to do. And so, as people start pouring in and this place starts filling up, well, within like half an hour, things start changing. The atmosphere, atmosphere starts changing. And I was a little bit worried about these guys. I'm like, I didn't really know them. Were they going to think I'd drag them along to this kind of like crazy, wild thing and they were going to like turn on me and go, this is terrible. You know, I didn't know what their level of partying was. Like about an hour later, I see one of, one of the guys is kind of like covered in like face paint. He's kind of um, stripped to the waist and he's kind of doing a conga with a, a kind of a, like French girl kind of just doing a conga and they look like they're having like the best time of their life. And really just things kind of erupt into a, a fantastic underground party.
And then the other thing happened is that I, you know, I started getting pretty thirsty, and I'm like, well, I could do with some water. So I tried to try and investigate where the water was, and I got a bit of water from the bar. They sorted me out, and, and they kind of like, like looked around, got a water bottle, like pulled me some water. I was pretty happy with that. They went back about an hour later to try and do the same thing. That like, oh, we, we've got no water. And I was looking around this huge warehouse full of people. I'm like thinking, no water. And I was really tripping by this point. That's not a good thing. Like, we need water. And I was saying to them, no water, that's not good, is it? And they're like looking at me going, no, it's not good. We've got no water. That's not a good thing. And I'm like, no, what are we going to do about it? And I'm like, oh, we need to get water. And they're like, don't we? And they're like, I guess so. And they're like, well, Give me, give me that water bottle and I'll, I'll go find some water. And that became my mission, was to go find some water. So I did, I grabbed the water bottle, I walked out of this party, walked up the stairs, and I'm outside in the middle of semi-industrial Paris looking for water. So I walked down the road, and I'll kind of walk into like, the next semi-industrial lot, and I see lights, so I know there's something going on. This is coming like about five o'clock in the morning. Don't know where I'm gonna find water from. I walk through, I walk into this unknown zone and I, and I kind of like walk down the side of like a square building and I can see lights a bit further down. So I work, walk further down and I look down into the basement of this building where there are lights. And I see two guys around the table, but there's something weird going on because there's a, a huge animal on its back being sliced up by these guys. A huge eyes of this animal looking up at me. And I'm like, that's a horse. And there's a couple of North African guys like looking up at me from this basement going, who's this guy? They're cutting up a horse in, the, in this basement. And I'm like very high on acid at this point going, what's going on? And so I, I kind of find, keep walking down, find the doorway and go, well, if they're cutting up a horse, there's gonna be water. So I decide to kind of walk down to try and fill up this water bottle. I'm, I'm on the right track. This whole semi-industrial kind of um, zone has become a, like a commune for North African immigrants living all together in this kind of like, um, like building. I didn't find the people cutting up the horse. I thought, well, I found the toilet. I'll just fill up my water bottle and probably, probably go. So I do that. I fill it up and then I just uh, see one guy who comes down and kind of checks me out and he's in proper uh, North African outfit, like a long, it's quite an embroidered kind of uh, long dress like garment and like a kind of skull cap. And we kind of like exchange looks and I'm just like, you know, pointing at my water bottle, going, oh, there's water, there's lots of water. Like and he's looking at me a bit weird. And so I get my uh, water bottle filled up and then I walk out walk past the guys cutting up the horse and I walk back to the party and I walk back down into the, the crazy enormous rave everything kicking off and I kind of deliver my water back full 
you know, to the people, go, oh yeah, I found some water, got some interesting neighbours. And then, oh yeah, and I start, I couldn't really tell the story to them. I just couldn't get the words out. So I just dropped it off, got some water, and then just went back to do some partying, really. And that was like a great experience. It was like a huge adventure. It felt like I was somehow contributing to the party. But I certainly got a lot, a lot out of it. And uh, it made for a really interesting night. And also kind of flicked me into like a really, I don't know, it seemed somehow really empowering. Like I could take on a lot of things and, and really get out of my comfort zone. And it had worked out. Hello, my name's Buzz. Sometimes you do get those really intense experiences, stories that you think you should remember in that kind of level of clarity, but you just, you just don't, and they're kind of lost. Sometimes it's really fuzzy. Because after that, I was like, oh yeah, I like, I like that style of radio. Like that sense of where you just really don't know what's going to happen. So up in front of me is a, a very useful object. It's a water bottle and it's made of um, plastic and it's quite scuffed around the edges. You can tell it's been around a lot. Uh, a little bit grubby on the outside. Still got a little bit of water. I chose this object because it's quite an interesting part of a bit of a shaggy dog story. Part of like my own history as a, um, a party person and a kind of a raver. I'm always up for adventure, I suppose. I don't want to give away the story by starting with the object because you know how stories work they've got a kind of beginning a middle and an end I feel like I, there were strong aims and desires in me just to kind of break out of uh, suburban normality because I, you know, brought up in quite a normal suburban town but with dreams of something else. Brought up by hippie parents, kind of like around like Hendrix, around kind of the sense of the other. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, that was it. That This was like the new psychedelic movement. And so the ability to kind of go to shows, not only that were pushing drugs and giving me the opportunity to kind of like explore in that way, but also had attached to it that traveling circus uh, vibe to it where you can get involved, you know, me, me getting involved and kind of bringing a um, water butt back to the party was just one way. Um, the, there was ample opportunity for people to get involved in whatever, whether, whether it was bringing extra lights, whether it was bringing extra sound, whether it was um, running a little kind of like cafe. The, the kind of shared roots of the kind of traveller movement of the 80s, the ethos of bring your own piece to the party was like very appealing. And so kind of having that as like the potential to kind of join in with that community, as well as the experience, just seemed like a real open door and like a really welcoming experience. This one doesn't make a lot of sense, but it kind of um, is linked to the time. There's a lot of like really good um, kind of breakbeat, kind of proto-jungle. And there's a tune called You Can't Beat the System, Go With The Flow. And it was weird because it was like full of people trying to beat the system. I don't even know where that sample came from. And it's interesting because I was like, oh, I hate that, I hate that. The, 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 I love that song. But like, why do they say you can't beat the system? Like go with the, and it's probably I'm overthinking it. You know, it's just like a great sample. Can't beat the system. Go with the flow. This whole brave and party experience is quite individual. You could say it was part of an individualistic movement. People do say that, but it's got those elements of joining and communality as well. And I find that a real contradiction. And there's a contradiction in, in the kind of memories that I have of a lot of these being very almost heroic individual journeys, but then linked with these communal experiences. And I just think that's, that's kind of an ongoing thing, really. So that kind of whole alone together. Um, but I guess where it gets interesting is when, when you don't go home. And that's where, where kind of the, the opportunities were there. Like, a lot of people stayed, and especially when things happen outdoors in the summer, the opportunity to not go home, and then for that individual experience to then become more of a um, more of a tribal, more of a kind of like um, yeah, a group experience is 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 very much there. Things start getting light, and then. I imagine we all go home when it goes light. And um, I managed to sort of talk to people and go, oh, it's getting light, it's getting light. And someone says, oh yeah, this is when it really gets interesting. This is when it, this is when the party really starts. And I'm like, oh, I'm not used to this.
This episode's soundtrack included Blue Monday by New Order, performed by Mr. Wilson's Second Liners, remixed by Will Lenton. At the River by Groove Armada, performed and recorded by Phil Davies, Sally Edwards, and Dr. Weevil. Love Can't Turn Around by Farley Jackmaster Funk, performed and recorded by Athol Ransom. Fool's Gold by The Stone Roses, performed and recorded by Chris Davies. Little Fluffy Clouds by The Orb, performed and recorded by Athol Ransom again. And Halcyon and On and On by Orbital, performed and recorded by Will Lenton. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you would like to support your favourite raving street band during a challenging time for live performers, please consider signing up to our Patreon. All proceeds go directly to supporting the musicians and creative development of Mr Wilson's second liners, keeping us rave ready for the future.